Welcome to Real Herbalism Radio, show 218, recorded at Big, Big Dog, Dog Studio. Studio. Woof! This show was made possible in part by the support of the Herbal Nerd Society. If you'd like to join the Herbal Nerd Society, go to thepracticalherbalist.com, click on the Join the Herbal Nerd Society link in the upper left-hand corner, follow directions, and you would be set. Now, now on with the show. Oh, <laughs> hey. I was going to get that. So... On with the show. Healing with plant medicine is deep and expansive, and it extends beyond the plant kingdom. Traditional Western medicine has long recognized three primary kingdoms, animal, vegetable, and mineral. Today we're talking with Maya Toll, author of The Illustrated Herbiary, The Illustrated Bestiary, and the upcoming Illustrated Crystallary, and founder of Herbal Shops, Herbiary Shops in Philadelphia and Asheville, North Carolina, about working with the three kingdoms on your path to deep connection, spiritual strength, and inner knowing. Now here are your hosts, Candace Hunter and Susier Lupe. I'm Candace Hunter. And I'm Susier Lupe. And, and welcome, welcome to Real Herbalism Radio. Welcome back, Maya. Thank you. It is great to be here. You have spent the last few months writing up a storm, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> months, years. <laughs> There have been a lot of words on the page in the past couple of years. It's um, it's fun, but it's it's also grueling. You yeah. know, we romanticize the writer's life, but um, it's it's a lot of butt in chair time. There mm-hmm. was a reason but why Hemingway chair. did so much drinking and smoking. <laughs> Ooh, <option>. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Other than other than uh, the fact he was Hemingway, and good God, I think if I was Hemingway, I have to drink and smoke in order just to get through that brain that he had on his shoulders too. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. People um, that are listening might want to go back to podcast. 206 to listen to our first interview with Maya to kind of get a, a context about, wow, this amazing process that you've been through. But we've got uh, another book of yours coming out. You have the illustrated bestiary, the illustrated herbiary, and now a brand new one, the illustrated crystallary. Crystallary. Yeah. So talk about this for a minute, could you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, I started with the Illustrated Herbiary, and I quickly realized as I was working on it that um, this was a small window into the more soulful, spiritual, magical tools that I use toward my own personal healing and, and in working with other people. Mm. Um, because I, I love expanding my materia medica by pulling in animal medicine and crystal crystal medicine. And, um, I, you know, I immediately called my editor and said, we should do a trilogy. And this was before the herbiary came out. So she was like, yeah, yeah, Maya, whatever. You know, let's see if we can sell any books before we do more books. Um, so the herbiary kind of took off out of the gate and they very quickly said, oh, we want those other two books. And yeah. so uh, I had to pretty much clear the decks and, and sit down and write those because in order to get them out <laughs> yeah. with any timeliness, um, we had to make that happen. But I, I love this trilogy because we've lost the concept 
of medicine coming from the three kingdoms. And that was a, a part of our Materia Medica up until very recently. I was in New Orleans uh, a couple years ago and in the pharmacy there, they had this, this old um, display that kind of showed the three kingdoms and it was from the late 1800s. Uh, so it hasn't been that long since this was a part of how we thought about medicine, but it's really fallen up of modern you know, conceptualization. Part of what excited me so much about it when I, I loved the herbiary. I, I was one of the like pre-order people and I was thrilled yeah. when I got it. And when I realized you were going to continue and write more, I was super stoked in part because I've I've been studying Chinese medicine off and on and and I really the formulas, I I, I love that paradigm. And Chinese medicine even today still includes some animal and some mineral as a part of some of their bigger, deeper formulas. And the idea that we could bring that that aspect of herbalism and healing and focus not just on the physicality of consuming, you know, a mineral or an animal, but to expand it into the more spirit realm, to me that was so thrilling. And that we could draw on European tradition. Yeah, for me, you know, I think that some of what's happened is we, we, we've come to a different relationship with, with animals, right? right. Uh, you know, even those of us who are omnivores or, or carnivores have a, a distance mm -hmm. from that consumption of animals, and are still like we might eat a hamburger for dinner and then still be horrified if we hear about some kind of animal body part being used in a Chinese medicine formula. Right. So there's yes. there's a little bit of a disconnect there, right? Yeah. We're still ingesting animals. Yeah. And you know, we know that we ingest plants. Um plants ingest a lot of the minerals from the soil. So we do get a lot of our our mineral uptake kind of mediated by the plants you know, it's part right. of the reason like we love nettle and we love dandelion is because they provide those minerals calcium magnesium um, etc yeah but before we were able to go to the uh, health food store or the pharmacy and pick up some of those minerals in encapsulated form you could get those minerals un unmediated by the plants mm -hmm. from from rocks from mm -hmm. crystals yeah so you know, I, I think the that there's shaker. this idea that it's like hokey, mm -hmm. right? That it's right. like, it's really woo-woo, right. but it, it's really about minerals. Yeah. You know, in the last show, we talked a little bit about um, someone who had asked you about traditional medicine and learning like what it, you know, the, the old timey medicine or whatever that, you know, back to the old fashioned, the real ways. Mm -hmm, right. And I'm thinking, well, this is to some extent, this is that, but it's done for the modern age. I mean, mm -hmm. we're, if you really want to get raw with it, plants ingest animals and minerals. Mm -hmm. they're, they're, yes. We, we serve them in this world. They don't serve us, although we serve each other because it's a mutual, mutually beneficial relationship, but you know, yep. I mean, <clears throat> and we should probably put the little footnote in there that, of course, we we're taking in these animals, minerals, and vegetables, and we are, and 
we are being very aware that taking in ones that are hard or destructive to mine or that are endangered, um, either plants or yeah. or that they're destructive to farm, mm-hmm. that those are those are parts of our consciousness as healers too. So there, the footnote has been said. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> well, and I, you know, I think that that's part of why I wanted to write these books because without doing physical ingestion, mm-hmm. we can still work with the energy yeah. of the different plants, animals, and minerals. And what's beautiful about that is there are plants that are physically toxic to us, but are mm-hmm. spiritually useful to us. I remember at one point, um, one of my one of my teachers said to me, I want you to work with foxglove. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, oh, how dare you? That's, you know, I, I got on my little student high horse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and she, like, she gave me the long suffering face and, you know, she said, Maya, I said, work with, not ingest. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> right. I think we have to break out of that idea. Like we're not two years old. We don't have to put everything in our mouths. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah. I say that to people all the time, <laughs> especially when they're mushroom hunting. Like, well, is this toxic? Why do you care? Really? You got to stick everything in your mouth? Could you just <laughs> right. enjoy it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I I do think this idea that how do we modernize how we work with the animal, vegetable, mineral kingdom is really fascinating to me. And when we start looking at why people were including some of these things, like some of it's straight up, you know, um, they needed calcium. Um, But some of it is more metaphoric, like a lot of the animal parts that were used in in traditional Chinese formulas were, were metaphoric. Yeah. You know, I need the strength of, I need the sexual prowess of. Yeah. Um, and so there was a metaphoric piece um, that we can work with without actually ingesting an animal part. Mm-hmm. Right. right. The uh, Western version, maybe it would be eye of newt or whatever. Yeah. They weren't actually using a newt eye. Right. Uh, there were formulas in traditional long ago formulas that included animal parts in in Europe too. Mm-hmm. I can't, don't ask me to oh, quote yeah. which ones. I just mm-hmm. know there were. Absolutely. Because we didn't yeah. have the, the separations that we have today. And yeah. I think that um, one of the things that I did in the bestiary, which surprised a couple of people, the last beast is human. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I loved that. I absolutely <laughs> loved that. That's one of those, I work with a group, I work with animal communication and I have a group and that we, talk about, you know, communicating and all of that. And I'm fond of telling them, reminding everybody that we humans are communicating with non-human animals, not just with animals, but with non-human animals, because that helps them remember that we humans are animals too. Yes. Animal communication is communication with any animal, which includes humans. And the part we're working on in this group is the non-human animal part of the communication. Right. Yeah. And I think what's important about that is it puts us back on the web of creation. It puts us back on the web of life. And we tend to see ourselves as separate. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, to me, that's the biggest problem. Like that separation is, Mm -hmm. you know, the genesis of all the other problems. Yeah. I mean, I've been lately thinking about the idea that, you know, I live in a city, right? 
and I'm, I've, there's this idea that we're not in nature. I'm like, well, nature is everywhere, right? So doesn't that mean the city is also nature? Sure. I mean, you know, of course. I mean, Dandelions will tell you yes. <laughs> I think I'd agree with them. Yeah. I, I sense a molecule of soil somewhere. <laughs> Well, and humans are nature. So if you're in a human created inhabitant, uh, you know, a human created area, then it's the same thing as being in a beaver created area. Yes. Okay. Now, now I'm in the beaver pond. Um, that's nature. So a human habitation is also nature. It's Mm -hmm. also the same thing as being in a cave filled with stalactites and stalagmites made out of crystals. True. True. You know, that's also nature. Yeah. Yeah. We just always need to be reminded to be here now. Yeah. Yeah. So So, as herbalists today, how can we, or as, as, as individuals today, how can we use these kingdoms? You know, I think that one of the things that I love to do is as I'm working with the ingestibles, like with the, the herbal teas or with the tincture, um, I'm also working with the spirit level in a way that is conscious. So, and, and I'm, I'm like, I'm trying to find the exact right way to phrase this because we're always working with the spirit level. You know, we yeah. read in the previous podcast, we, we read oats and apple from the herbiary. And those are things that might go into a formula or, the, or you know, be used in our physical ingestible medicine. And so all of the, um, spirit level stuff gets wrapped right in there. Yeah. But a lot of times the person with whom you're working is not conscious of all of that. Right. So what's lovely about pulling in animal medicine or crystal medicine, which on the whole is not being ingested. And I say on the whole, because there are homeopathics and, um, essences like the equivalent of flower essences, which can be made from, from crystals and even even animals. Um, but on the whole, you know, for most of us, those are not our ingestibles. So it allows us to layer in something that is clearly spirit level with the person with whom we're working. You know, so yeah. if I, if I give someone, um, a crystal and I say to them, sit with this every evening before bed and focus on this thing, then it gives them that conscious moment of, you know, calling in the spirit level changes. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I've noticed is that animal, vegetable, mineral, they have different energies. So the plants have this very um, emotional energy. Like they, like, I, I think that they work through the waters of our body. That would make sense. You know, that that's how they travel through us. The animals tend to be more action oriented. You know, if I want something, someone to do something, Mm -hmm. I need them to call on an animal medicine, not on a plant medicine. Like, you know, if I need them to, to, to be like, okay, you're going to clean out your refrigerator of all the gluten that's making you sick. You know, the metaphor that I want to use for that is not going to be a plant-based metaphor because plants don't tend to like jump up and do stuff. Animals jump. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, So giving them 
kind of a metaphor that goes along with that, you know, mm-hmm. that idea of releasing toxins. Um, that that's going to be a more active metaphor, and so the animal the animal kingdom is better for that. And I find that the crystal kingdom is great for um, really think, thinking about states of being. Mm-hmm. And it's you know it's interesting in the older um, Chinese medical um, materia materia medical herbals like. I don't actually herbals isn't the right word because what I'm about to say is (laughs) that there used to be um, animals and crystals written into those uh, materia medica and the crystals were thought to work on the deepest level of your being. Yeah. Right. Like the core. And so I find that with the crystals, we really start talking about um, core values, Mm -hmm. like who you are. Um, the things that are more mm, in your DNA, like not the stuff that's on the surface that's quickly changing. It's like the stuff like that the- you inherited from your you know, ancestral line. And that some of that might be genetics, but some of that might be the thinking, you know, the way that we always take our shoes off when we walk in the house. That's what we do. And we did that and our parents did that and parents before them did that. And there are reasons for that. Some of them are practical, but a lot of them are spiritual and it's part of what you inherited. Yeah. And I think that that's a part of it. Like the, you know, what's in your bones, Mm -hmm. right? Like what's just structural to you. And then it's also the things that you create for yourself that become your, your values. Um, and, and crystals seem to speak more to that. So what I've noticed with this is that you can kind of layer your medicine mm-hmm. by calling in the three kingdoms in different ways. Yeah. I kind of think about crystals as being chemistry, but then I think of just about everything as being chemistry because yeah, I, I love chemistry. Yeah, <laughs> but that's, a you know, people that are low in iron for example that's a that's a basic that's how your blood flows you don't have iron in there you're not going to be able to carry oxygen yet another yet another thing on the periodic table right all that's connected together right and so you know in in the olden days before you could go and get an iron tablet they would put hematite in water yeah and you'd sip some of that hematite water. And, and this is one of those do and don't try this at home. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, you know, these are things that I definitely do because what I, what I love for myself, because I, if you listen to our first podcast episode, know that I'm the daughter of a lawyer and family therapist. Um, Rationality is like (laughs) bred in. Um, So for me to begin to understand crystals, I, I had to get to some concrete information, like beyond just, you know, oh, the energy is this. Like I, I couldn't, I couldn't swallow that. That wasn't working for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so understanding that hematite is is mostly iron um, was really cool because then I could begin to understand some of these properties that people were attributing to it. And if you have a piece of very pure hematite. I have put hematite in water and um, sipped on that because I have some some anemia that I deal with. 
Um, but you have to make sure it's really pure yeah. because there are other things that can You're be in the same it. formation mm-hmm. yeah. um, that you yeah. don't want to be sipping on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Like it's the same thing as doing your plant ID. You got to know what you're, what you're working with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And making sure that the plants that you're using come from safe and healthy soil and all that, that you're not, you know, going to a chemical dump site and, and pulling out plants there. Cause you know, those aren't as pure. Yeah. They, and many plants uh, do bioremediation. Yeah. So they're, they're pulling toxins out. And sometimes they're transforming them and sometimes they're just holding them. One of the things that I thought was so interesting about your books is that you were really tight about saying these are, these are the the ways that I am interpreting and applying, getting lessons from, getting wisdom from these plants, but it's not the only way. It's, it's your, it's your story with it and that there's not one one lesson that you must learn from oats or one lesson you must learn from apple but this is this is one of the lessons that you have learned in your sharing and i i really appreciated that cuz it inspired me to think about well what else do i what else do i get from that and uh sometimes i've kind of tuned out when people talk about what they get from a certain plant or or uh, animal cuz i well, that doesn't I don't, I don't get that, but that's instead of tuning out, uh, the cue should be for, for me to follow what your lesson is, is we'll think about, think about how it applied to your own particular life and, um, uh, don't accept that there's only one way to interpret things. That's a really important philosophy for me. I think that, um, if, you know, it's interesting because when I think about like my biggest core value that I want to give to other people, it's to think critically about all of this. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. it's, and about everything. Um, and it's kind of funny because people always say, Oh, well, like your core value should be healing or, you know, love for all or taking care of the planet. And um, those are the details. Those are the ex- detail part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But what, you know, what, where I think we push the needle for ourselves and for each other is when we step in with both our intellect and our intuition, weave those two things together in a way that's totally unique to us and share, share what we learn. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree very much. I mean, when you start looking at those other ones, they're the details and you can use, you can apply your core value to those details, but the, the detail or the, the core value it's, is looking at everything. Like you said, evaluating, questioning, yeah. reevaluating. Yeah, and, be, and being fully present so that you can do that. Yeah. Right. Like, like really observing with your whole being. I love teaching classes where um, Candace, you've done one of yes. these classes me where I I have people sip on different kinds of teas and smell different essential oils and reflect back to the room what they're physically experiencing because we go so quickly to words or we go so quickly to someone else's words yeah you know like 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 if you say nettles someone's saying oh David Winston says this or Susan Weed says that and they're reciting the you know chemical constituents Mm -hmm. that's not a personal experience right Mm -hmm. So how do you get to that personal experience where 
um, your body is sensing things. Yeah. And how do you extrapolate from there mm-hmm. so that you have knowledge that is filtered through you? And that is part of, I love that practice. I was really, when I took that class with you, it reminded me. It's something that I did for a long time and then many things happened in life and I set it aside and I've returned to it. And in looking at both the plants, but also thinking about the animals and the minerals, I mean, I'll sit with rocks and say, how does my body feel differently? Just this morning, I knew that, you know, I'm going out into the world and I picked up my amber and I, and it just I could feel that sudden shift for me it's like the amber is becomes the trunk around me so that things get filtered appropriately so that I don't take in more more or what I shouldn't do you know what I mean yes and so that's that's how amber works for me so just picking it up and carrying it with me causes my energy flow to change and I can feel it in my body and it's remembering that you just sit with it. You be with it. Yes. Yeah. And I think that that's why, you know, I, I love your description of Amber as being the trunk around you, because I feel like one of the energetic questions I get asked so often is how do I protect myself? Yes. And so Amber is traditionally a protection stone and you have a very clear visual of how that's mm-hmm. protecting you. Like you have a sensation and a feeling and a visual that you're calling up every time you hold that amber. And so I think that if you just kind of grab a piece of amber and say, it's a protection stone, um, it, it's not gonna, like it, you're not evoking the same thing. Energy follows intention. And so by you having that sensation and then calling that energy forward, triggered by holding the amber in your hand, yeah, right? Yes. That's, that's the magic. That, yes. Um, it's not the amber all by itself. Right. Um, and I think that that's like one of the things that is very hard for people to, to understand. Right. Like we're, we are using all of these things as tools. Yeah. And you have, to, you have to understand like what your tool does. Otherwise, you can't make it work. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So is amber one of those stones that you... Put into your crystallary. Crystallary. Yes, amber. <laughs> I think amber. I worked on it so long ago, and I haven't seen it in a while. But yes, I think amber's in there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it disappears. It disappears to the publisher, and mm-hmm. um, it's you know, then it's just gone for a while. And truthfully, the way I did all these books was I would sit down at the computer and I'd say, "Okay, who wants to be in the book?" And then I would start typing, and so. Um, there's, a like almost a feeling that the words moved through me yeah. as opposed to coming from me. Um, and I don't have that same sense of, of like owning them, holding them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So it's kind of like, Hey, what? Yeah. I think that's in there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've had people say, Hey Sue, you remember when you said this, it really, I've been thinking about that for a that is something I said. Oh, <laughs> nope, I, I don't. But I'm going to keep smiling and nodding. You, you tell me about what that was like. Maybe it'll yeah. flicker for me. <laughs> you taught an entire class about it. Did I? All right. Wow. You're um, in Oregon? <laughs> yep. Yeah. So I, you know, I think as teachers and as writers, we get in this in this flow. Yes, and exactly. And kind of like we're transmitting – 
um, some universal signal, right? Mm-hmm. And, and we don't always remember clearly what it is. I actually used to have one of my students take notes for me when I was teaching because I would have no idea what I taught by the end. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Wow. Well, so uh, yeah, I, I wonder if there, we, I know we got to let you go pretty soon here, but I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what you felt about putting initially you wanted it to be three books together and then you started with the herbiary and what it what it was like to kind of pull them from a single kind of tease it apart and turn it into three books again well it was never one book that got pulled apart to three that the herbiary was always only the herbs yeah but in your head you had an idea the- yeah, but after they, you know, after they said like we're starting with with herbs, that that's what we're doing. Then it was I just sat down and and wrote that. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it was like when I sat down, it was like okay, what well, plant wants to come forward, and the right. rest of it. So the real the real question I have is how did you move from just doing one book into doing the three? How did you get your publisher to get it? Because mm-hmm. it's it's so- a foreign concept. <laughs> it is a foreign concept. And I, I, I think that um, I didn't need them to get the concept. Um, I needed them to be excited about the books. And the herbiary started selling like right out of the gate. And so they were so excited that they found a format that was kind of new in the world. You know, that yeah. like, yes, there are um, Oracle decks and yes, there are books about herbs, but somehow we combined them in a way that was intriguing to people and that brought it all back to life, I think, in a different way. And so repeating that formula for them um, was appealing, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. I think that, that the animals were actually a really easy sell. Like in, in some ways, the animals felt more universal than the herbs, like more people feel um, a relationship with animals. Yeah. Um, and then over the course of working on these books, because it took years um, from concept to you know publishing, um, crystals have become so popular. And so they were starting to have people asking, um, like their sales reps and stuff were asking them to have a crystal book in the in the catalog. Mm-hmm. So the kind of the, the great wheel kept turning. And, yeah. and by the time we got to the crystal book, um, they were more open to it than they would have been. If I, if I started with that, I don't think we would have gotten here. Right. Uh, it was, it was divine timing, to be honest, I think. I, I know you have Rishi mentioned in the herbiary, but yes. your fourth book could, of course, be the fungal kingdom, the including fungal, lichen. Yeah. Including the fungal lichen. queendom. <laughs> Okay, all right. The the el- whatever uh, beasts, herbs, crystals, and mushrooms. It it absolutely could be. And the other thing that I've actually Hinted. been thinking about is um, I would love to do a book on extinct animals and extinct plants. Ooh, that would be really like, interesting. Ghosts you know, of like Christmas really past. Really calling up the the flora and fauna that are no longer with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, essence of Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, what got me thinking about it is one of the questions I wrote in the preface of the bestiary is when these animals no longer walk the earth, you know, because one of the things we did was we marked the animals that are endangered. And mm-hmm. if we lose these animals, do we lose their energy? Right. Um, 
And that's a really fascinating question to me. I mean, if you think about it, do we have the energy of Tyrannosaurus Rex anymore? I actually don't think we do. Mm. Well, my two-year-olds you know, might have disagreed with that. <laughs> Not to make light of it. I, I haven't. I haven't looked for it myself, but I've wondered many times about the dinosaurs because they died out and they were the apex of that world in terms of animal life. Mm -hmm. And here we are, human beings, the apex of our world in terms of animal life. And uh -huh. I'm watching what we're doing to our environment. And I keep thinking we really, you know, Sting was right. We're walking the path of the dinosaurs right now. And I wonder how I, I've, I've asked that question many times. And I've gotten no real clear answers, but you know, yeah. are, are they with us? And I see them in some animal forms like in alligator or like in when I do the um, dinner with the dead at Halloween time, mm -hmm. um, I, we live with a bearded dragon and, and our ancestors in, in the rules of my ritual include all the ancestors of those who are part of our family and my bearded dragon's part of our family. And there was one point where there was a very, very large lizard spirit that showed up, like dinosaur size. But I don't really, I couldn't identify it. You know, it's a blur. So, you know. Right. Right. But I wonder. Yeah. And, you know, I just, like, when I feel into the energy of something like a Tyrannos Tyrannosaurus Rex, I mean, that is some big like the re relationship to the landscape mm -hmm. yeah is so different from what is walking the earth now yeah. yes yeah yeah well looking at at dragonflies and imagining them way back when when they had huge wingspans yes. and the horse tails being the size of trees yeah. but that would that's a completely different world that we just don't we don't have a concept of even yeah. walking among the sequoias I guess that would be the closest for me. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And and I find that fascinating. You know, it was it time for that energy to pass from the world? Do we need that energy? Like, do we need to call up the energy even though we can't? Like the the energetic Jurassic Park, right? Right. <laughs> the, yeah. That's yeah. Energy level. Is there something that's needed? Is there not? I I don't know what the answer is, but I'm kind yeah. of fascinated with those ideas, especially as we're, we're walking the extinction path, as you were just saying. And mm -hmm. um, so how does that begin to change, not just the physical landscape, but the, the spiritual landscape? Yeah. Yep. Well, I think it's really important that we are, and symbolic, that we're ending this podcast with you with questions, because <laughs> that's your thing. Like yes, you are is. a question <laughs> asker. So it's, it feels actually this... We're at the end of our time for this podcast, and That's and now perfect. we have things in our head that we're going to have to rattle around with and <laughs> learn from. Dang it. Thanks, Maya. Oh, <laughs> so, Maya, how do people get a hold of you? So, my website is www.maya, M-A-I-A, toll, T-O-L-L, dot com. And um, I'm most active on Instagram of all the social media platforms and that's just at Naya Toll. Okay. Wow. Well, thank you very much for thank being you. with us. It was a real thank genuine you. pleasure and congratulations on your books and the, the subsequent cards and the box set that's coming out too and, and all of the other projects you've got, your witch camp and all that. It's exciting. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It's fun. <laughs> Good. All 
right. And as always, put, put an herb, herb on, on it. it. The statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration, FDA, and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast or any affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliated websites for a diagnosis or treatment of any health problem. Always consult with a healthcare professional before starting any new vitamins, supplements, diet, or exercise program before taking any medication, or if you have or suspect you might have a health problem. Any testimonials, questions, or case studies are based on individual results and do not constitute a guarantee that you will achieve the same results.